nobody like this You ain't seen nobody like this You hear my sound all over town singing So good. And welcome to SA Soccer Roundtable. My name is Harry. Uh, I do want to thank uh, San Antonio FC uh, social media team uh, team here and uh, on the Twitter uh, for the for that insight of the locker room here. Sorry, had to had to start the show with that because uh, I don't know any other way that you can start the show than that highlight here. So, with me tonight is Royce. Uh, how are you? I'm doing good, man. Uh, excited, excited. Rafa, uh, you and I set at the game, and 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 you know you're giving me, hey, they need to do this, need need to do this. This is what I'd do a little bit different. But overall, I think you left pretty happy. Yeah, I was I was very happy. <laughs> so I got to see, hopefully, the 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 beginning of some really good things for you know for the next next few months. And then joining us later is going to be uh, uh, Landon Southwick, who's the play-by-play announcer for Real Monarchs. Uh, also does a Center Circle podcast uh, up there for the Real Monarchs here. Uh, but he'll be joining us a little bit later, probably around uh, 7.45-ish, um, around that time frame when we'll bring him on to kind of preview the upcoming game against Real Monarchs uh, this Saturday at Toyota Field here. So, uh Jam-packed show, uh, lots to discuss. First game of the year always brings out uh, some uh, some new questions and new thoughts here. So uh, we'll start out originally with, I think, which uh, kind of caught a, a few of us off guard was uh, the starting 18. You had Cardoni, Deplane, uh, Kamiri, Schloberg, uh, Gleedle, Epps, Lindley, PC, uh, Suelo, uh, Patino, and Nathan. Um, on the bench, you had Mercado, uh, Wright, Torres, Bernard, Hapano, Bryant, Lima. Uh, there were some big names that were missing on there uh, that, uh, you know, uh, to me, uh, two that kind of stood out uh, and they were up top uh, were uh, Dylan and, and Jose Gallegos, uh, you know, for that here. Um, and the other one that kind of took out, especially, you know, as the game progressed was Doyle uh, being missing. Um, you know, with the you know all all, all three were uh, lower body injuries, and then also Connor Maloney um, was also listed out with a lower body injury. So, uh, looking at the starting eighteen, I know I kind of talked a little bit with Rafa on this, uh, but your thoughts, Royce, when, when the starting eighteen originally came out, and certain names that we expected there were not there. 
Uh, for sure. And I mean, a lot of it was injury related. Like uh, we said, we I expected Doyle and Schuberg. Um, obviously, Doyle does have a lower body injury. Um, that saying, Kamiri really offered a lot as far as clearances go. And that dude is built like a brick S house. So that's really good to see on the field. Um, and I think one of the, uh, the big things about this team is just how versatile they are. Uh, we'll get into the... Uh, the the four sub um, early in the game, but uh, just the moves that Marcina was able to to uh, pull off uh, after that really shows the versatility of the lineup. But anyway, let's continue. Um, Gallegos being out last season that may have been just a, a real kick to the pants for the lineup, but man, um, everybody else just kind of filled in really well. Um, even though he wasn't available. Um, and you could definitely see where he will fit in in this lineup, which is really exciting. He will um, in this lineup, which is really exciting. So, um, um, but, I mean, does the lineup surprise me? A lot, of, a lot of it didn't. There were a couple positions where it did, but it was really injury-related. Nathan for Dylan, um, Kamiri for Doyle. And then pretty much everything else was just about how I expected it to go. And just to give everybody a heads up, uh, I had a flicker of power. So there is a thunderstorm <laughs> in the area. So yep. if the power does go out, I apologize. And as soon as it returns, we'll, we'll see if we can get it back, pop back up. But uh, hopefully that flicker was the last uh, of it here. So Rafa, your thoughts before we move to the actual lineup that, that uh, Coach Marcina put out here, your thoughts on the 18th? Yeah, I was a little well missing those four big names were a little concerning. I like okay, how is it, how is this going to you know, you know come you know as far as what's going to be the end result out of this? Are we going to pull through this? Are we going to struggle without some key players? But like I said, everybody kind of watched the game and saw the end results, which we'll just discuss more in the bit. So then the. The, you know, the, the formation came out. Uh, you had Cardoni, Gleadle, Schlober, uh, Kamiri, Deplain, uh back four. Uh, in the uh, middle, you had uh, Swello, PC, Lindley, Epps. And then up top, uh, according to the formation, you had uh, Patino and Nathan, um, who I thought you know stepped in and, and did a great job uh, for that here. So um, your thoughts on, you know, and, and I'll start with you, Rafa, because, uh, you know, you pointed some things out, uh, you know, especially as the, the game started, you pulled up the broadcast and, and brought out maybe this isn't the most accurate um, accurate starting 11, you know, posting here uh, for it here. So your thoughts on the actual formation on how they actually played on, on the pitch. At first I was a little concerned because when we started like, the first few 10 minutes, uh, I saw the space that Colorado was giving, and, you know, I think for me it's like not having that third forward. We couldn't really press, you know, put a little more pressure. I did I did like to see uh, those gaps that we were getting on the wings, and that's when we start, really started attacking a lot of those through balls, and we started getting a lot of those crosses, and that's how one of the goals, one of the first goals we got was from, from a play from that. So I think they finally kind of settled in and, you know, it started working more and more and Colorado just really didn't have an answer to, you know, who to get. Or so they got really confused right away. 
and they started, you know, making mental mistakes. You know, uh, Mr. Horror had the mustache, started getting cards and getting a little too <laughs> physical. But like I said, I, you know, hopefully, like I said, I like the, for, you know, like I said, the formation, like at first I was a little hesitant, but like, okay, now I see why he has it because he had the right players to, you know, at the right areas to succeed. But until we had that little uh, with Axel coming out, that's when I got a little concerned about that, knowing that Doyle wasn't on the bench. But kudos to, you know, Morsina, you know, he took a risk, you know, putting, you know, PC out on the wing. And I was a little concerned about that. You know, see, is he going to get beat? You know, especially as Colorado did have some speed on, on, on the outside. But he just flourished like we didn't miss a beat. And like I said, it, you know, we have the right pieces. You know, whoever goes down, hey, the next man's up. And we have the right pieces to, to continue on. Your thoughts, Royce? Uh, yeah. There's some things I agree with. There's some things I don't agree with. Um, definitely out of possession um, without the ball, which was a majority of the game. Uh, Colorado Springs actually had 62% of possession. Mm-hmm. Um, San Antonio FC wasn't a 4-4-2, but it was like a mid-block 4-4-2, a very high-pressing mid-block 4-4-2, um, which was interesting to see. Uh, there was a lot of pressure on um, Colorado Springs. And uh, and if you what an interesting point is um, – um, kind of online, Colorado Springs is listed as a 4-3-3, but they were under so much pressure from that midfield, from that press, ESPN has them listed as a 4-5-1. So the two top wingers, try to find my camera here, those two top wingers had to stay back so much that they were listed as wingbacks instead of actual forwards. So that says something for the for the press SAFC put on. Um, the, the point I was getting to, uh, you kind of covered over, was the really impressive thing about how versatile the lineup is is that Schuber goes down um and and instead of putting on a like for like center back for the center back marcina goes lima you're on as well no you did um you didn't have one did did you well uh, hold on hold on you did and that was the plane on the uh, as a right back right and so as versatile as the lineup is the plane goes to center back Gleedo can can cover Switch as a, side, a, yeah. a really really good right back, and he did go to left back a couple times in this as well. And then PC for midfield goes back to left back, and then Lima comes in, and you get that Lima and Lindley midfield again. And how great was that midfield? They were fantastic, um, especially in distribution out to uh, Quail and out to Epps. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was the game right there. They pressed. They recovered the ball a lot. I, I don't have the interceptions stats in front of me, but I'm sure it was up a plenty. Um, but one of the big things that they did, they just put so much pressure on the midfield. 27 three. interceptions to Colorado's 14. Yeah. They put so much pressure on that three-man midfield of Colorado Springs that they needed to put two other players back to help them out to try to build out from the midfield, and they still couldn't do it. Uh, Haji Berry was on an island by himself. And, yeah, I was, and it was yeah, it was he could not get any service. The only person that ever got forward with the ball was their um, was their right um, the right winger, um, and all he could manage to do was get to the baseline and try to cross, and that was it. And it and if you're gonna try to cross against this team with Schuberg, if he's healthy, hopefully he comes back um, sooner than later. Uh, Kamiri, 
the Camaro's not coming out. I don't. No, that guy's a beast. To me, he he reminds me of Igabaga, that big, strong, take no shit type of center. Is he, back. Is he, He's going to be our enforcer back there. That's 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 his role. There's is to intimidate. Mission City and Two One Zero Alliance need to immediately put out, create a tifo for Kamiri. Just call him the Tunisian Terminator because that dude is good lord. I I mean, seeing him in person. Yeah, he's AJ's favorite player yeah. out of everybody. Yeah. I I don't I don't blame him. He's, Dude, he was like, and he loved it when the ref was trying to talk to him right at the start, and he's like, "Yeah, whatever." He's yeah, like, whatever. "I don't give a shit." Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna play my game. Which I mean, let let's go into it. Let's go into the um, kind of the actions on the field that you won't see um, in the in the scorebook. One of my favorite things that happened, and and you talked about. Um, um, the uh, the center back with the mustache for um, the switchbacks, Oxford, mm-hmm. the dude. Um, he um, w- one of the things that I liked was Patino just got in his face the entire time, and he was well, in his face the entire over. time. That's how he got his yellow card. Yeah, that's he... how he, exactly, exactly. But what he did, he got in that dude's head, and it was, it was. Um, um, sorry, my kids over here. Um, <laughs> completely threw me off it made a statement um, though it made a statement that the fo- yeah, exactly unlike exactly. previous let, let years get... where our forwards got pushed around exactly nobody's pushing let around me... this team at least i got i got, also, my, also... I got my thought back let me, you... let me finish it real quick let me yeah. <laughs> real quick but senior got in uh Oxford's head um and just fouled him and to the point where that's kind of how the goal was created was Oxford goes in and he loses Patino as a mark because he wants to stay away from him. He does not want to compete in a physical battle with Patino. He goes to the goal line instead of marking Patino. Ball comes off the goalkeeper's glove. Patino has a wide open header in the net. So that yellow card and that shithousery, if you want to call it that, that led directly to that first goal. And you got to love it. That dude. Well, he got so the first hard. goal in the sixteenth. The yeah. oh, the yellow, yellow was in the twentieth. But there were two fouls before right. the sixteenth. Yes. Yeah. On Oxford, one of them was kind of a table topper where he back right <laughs> was nasty. I think he should have got a yellow there, to be honest. But <laughs> it was the first foul of the game, and the ref was being a little lenient. But he, if you look at Patino's eyes, he was looking at Oxford the whole time. He's like, "Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tabletop this dude right now," and. You love to see it. Well, Nathan, you got to give it also to Nathan. Nathan was very oh, yeah. aggressive on fronts. That's exactly who, exactly what I thought he would be. He dribbles at people. He has some techers. There was that play in the. It was later in the game where he just backheels around a guy and gets oh, yeah. fouled. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's exactly what I expected from him. And that dude works hard as hell. And I love mm-hmm. that guy on my team. He works real hard. And you you have to love that. So the first yeah, goal. Is a good compliment. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. No, it was a, it was a good compliment for a, you know, to have Dylan out and also to, and when also Jose out. So that kind of tells you we're going to be. I think you can say our Fords are a lot more aggressive than the ones we have last year. I think last year there were more. Uh, they were looking for players. service. Last year, I think they were looking for service. This year, this guy's I, seek, I think seek it's a, and destroy. 
I think it's a formation change and we'll get into that uh, in a little bit um, with the formation change and kind of the tactical outlook change, uh, which is major from this year to last year. And I, I like it. Go ahead, Harry. So the first goal, obviously, uh, we kind of already discussed here. What about the second goal in the 27th minute? Uh, the sliding that is up for goal of the week, uh, you know, for that here. So uh, your thoughts on that second goal and the buildup? Go ahead, Rafa. But that's something that we're, we're missing a lot last year was crosses. And we noticed this game, we crossed the ball a lot more into the box. And that second goal was a beautiful goal. I mean, he was able to get enough of it to get over the goalkeeper. Uh, the keeper had no chance on that. But it was, it was basically full attack mode on the wings the whole the whole game. And that's something that out of last year's game plan, we just didn't really see. I think a lot of it ha was just kind of through the middle. You know, here it was just full full, full attack mode on the wings, and we took exploit of that. Colorado had no answer to it. You know, we got a lot of uh, – the look at the amount of corner kicks we got too. You know, There's we lost a lot of crosses and uh, nine corners. And so, three and of them I were back-to-back back back in in yeah. before that first mm -hmm. goal where they were not yep. – you, you could tell that – you could tell a goal was coming. Um, you know, just – you know, you know they had Colorado Springs on their heels at, at that point. Yep. Yeah. So that I think that was the big the big difference when like I said for, you know for especially for that second goal was now we're really playing it more to the outside and sending the balls in because now we have forwards they're going to be aggressive to go after those shots or those headers and so forth. So that's I'm real happy about that and hopefully it's going to lead to more you know more opportunities, more goals and like I said we probably have more set pieces from you know for our big two terrors in the you know from our defensive mid our, our defense to go ahead some goals in during the corner kicks what um really there's two things that led to that second goal uh well let's go with three things the third the third most important thing being patino being patino and that's going to be a thing hashtag patino being patino let's start it <laughs> uh but the other two things that really started it was uh the team's press um mm. to intercept the ball after that first pass and the second thing was just how damn good Emil Cuello was in this game. He was so damn good in this game. Um, if Patino doesn't score a hat trick, he's my man of the match. But, I mean, Patino obviously gets it. But a, a surprisingly close number two for me is Emil Cuello. He, his corner kicks were on point. His play up the wing and just him dribbling around people was just – it was – I mean, that's that's where I think Gallegos is going to slot in this team is on that left wing where Cuello was. Uh, but he looked really good. Um, but the reason Cuello never touched the ball, but the reason that he plays a very important part in that goal is uh, the ball from the midfield, once it's intercepted, comes right by him, and he lets it go. He dummies it and lets it go to PC, and the left back, or, or I'm sorry, that would be the right back on the left side uh, for Colorado Springs, pinches in to try to uh, stand up Cuello, and the ball goes right by him, and that lets PC go pretty much by himself to the inline, crosses it, Patino finish. Second goal, 2 nothing. And that's what it was at the half here. Uh, I think the first half, 
I don't I don't really remember Colorado Springs really having really any not really. I know any, they had possession. I think yeah, I think they had possession of, of 60%. It, it and I hope you know people don't take this the wrong way, but it almost seemed like a, da- a Darren Powell game where uh, <laughs> you had possession, but you didn't do anything with it. That's unfortunate. Um, um, you know, for that here where you know San Antonio had about 40%, which is where they were. But I wouldn't even say it was a countering. It just they like, kept pressing and pressing, you know, to where, you know, where I don't think there was a lot, you know, there were some counters, don't get me wrong, but I think it was just, to me, there's, it was it was a dominating a, first half, you yeah. know, com, coming out of the gate uh, for that here. Uh, the second half, uh, your thoughts on the second half, we'll start with you, Papa, uh, or pardon uh, uh, me, <laughs> Rafa. Rafa. <laughs> I was looking at your Papa. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, I'm Lethal's Papa, yeah. Um, second half, second half, like I said, you know, it's just more of the same. You know, we just we just kept at it. You know, kept the pressure up, kept the pressure up. I, I was a little concerned, and I made that comment, made the comment to you, like you know, I, uh, it, it is two zero. You know how two zeros haunted us in the past, flashbacks. especially with flashbacks, switchbacks. But Scarred. like I said, you know, our defense didn't let it down. This is where really you know, the the Tunisian Terminator stepped up. And we got to see firsthand he was just not letting anybody get through. Uh, everybody was sacrificing, diving to the ball. Um, you know, there's one one play that uh, they're all Colorado could have gotten to go. Someone came back, not you know, got in the way, blocked that shot. So, you know, like I said, they didn't lose Gleadle. intensity. Yeah, Gleadle went to the end line when Cardoni came out against the. Uh, the right forward for Colorado Springs and the right forward. And he had a wide open net and I guess he tried to go um, short post and completely missed because Galito put the pressure because he went to the inline. So, mm-hmm. yep. So he, he, like I said, he just did a great play, but the defense wise, mm-hmm. like normally our defense in the past have let us down, like, you know, one goal, then the, the you know, the avalanche happened on us. We end up tying or losing. What, that didn't what, happen. What what I would say it wasn't necessarily the defense that used to and God we're so scarred we're talking about yeah. those those <laughs> years um, it wasn't the defense that let us down what let us down was instead of keeping up the press instead of keeping up the midline it we dropped back. back and we sat back and we invited the pressure and that was the big problem this year and this is kind of what a, it's a good point to go into this so last year we had that three five two and we had a lot of pressure on the midfield not necessarily anything in the back. Not a lot of pressure in the front, and the front two kind of um, were always forward looking for distribution from the five in the midfield. This year, it is just a really compact, really tough to get through mid block 4 4 2, and it is stout. I mean, you try to go up the middle, mm-mm, you got, I mean, this early in the game, you had um, PC and Lindley in the midfield. You're not getting by that. Later in the game, you had Lima and Lindley in the midfield. You're not getting by that. Mm-mm. And they try to go out wide to the wings, and that's what I mean. The, the three, uh, the midfield three of Colorado Springs try to go straight through the middle and just ran into a brick wall. And what did they try to do? They try to go out wide, and they couldn't go out wide, so they had their two front forwards come back in the midfield to try to help out to break that, and they still couldn't break that mid four, which is so damn impressive. And And really, it wasn't just the midfield four it was also patino coming back it was Mm -hmm. also nathan coming back 
whenever somebody had the ball and they would go to a side, you had five or six guys directly on them pressing the hell out. And what team, what two teams come to mind when I think of that? Number one is the Gagan Press. This team is a Gagan Pressing team. They lose the ball, they are all over your crap to get that ball back. And the second team this reminds me of is uh, Leicester City in the 2015 season. They always had that mid-block 4-4-2. It was eight people back, and the two, if we need help on defense, come back. Otherwise, we're going to counter on somebody. And this is a very similar tactical outlook to what Leicester did. It's also a similar tactical outlet to the 2017 SAFC team uh, that went into the playoffs and had a lot of success. You know, one game into the season, but it's – it's reminiscent. It really is. And we're not talking about, oh, it's going to be pretty beautiful, offensive-minded football. Mm-mm. No. No. This is, no. This is hard this nose. Is in your face. We're, we're going to get the result. You. Exactly. We're going to get the result. We don't care how we do it, and it's going to be a full team effort. And this is exactly what I hoped Marcina would bring, and it's what he's bringing. And it, I'm excited, man. I'm excited. I think this clip will will illustrate that here, and we'll yep. talk about the play here in a second. Take it away, Alan. We ask you guys to have a winner's mentality, a winner's mentality. And what a great example I'm about to share of the winner's mentality. Okay, 85th minute. A guy who scores three goals, tracks a guy 70 yards, slide tackles him out of bounds. That's a Yeah, that's it. And uh, that's thank it. you, uh, San Antonio FC social media team, uh, you know, and, and Twitter uh, for posting that because that I saw that play happen and I was like, who is that? And then I was like, holy shit. Yeah. That was Patino that came back, that busted his ass, had yeah. three goals. And well, two at that point, but yeah, no, he had th- uh, he, um, uh, he, he, two minutes later, he scored his yeah, third. two minutes later. No. Um, the reason why I said that is because uh, I think Rafa a little bit earlier there was a run and he said that Rafa, you know, Rafa made the comment that um, Rafa. a little bit, a uh, little bit uh, tired because he didn't make the run, but he sure came back. And, and, yep. and yeah. to me, that was that was the play of the game. That's when I knew this yep. team was going to be a force built different. forwards coming it's back different. Like that, it, it it was a totally different team, and uh, you know, just to me, the vibe even after the game, I don't know. I see, I don't know if I've ever seen a team, even even the Scorpions in their in in their NASL championship year, be this close. You know, especially at the start the start of the season. I, I you know, I know it's early, and, and, and you know, I know you know you got to slow slow the bricks down. Uh, or slow, put the brakes on. But I think as far as a team, this is a team that, number one, I think everybody knows that will make the playoffs. But the question is, is how far? I don't know if they're championship quality just because Phoenix looks pretty good as well out west and, and it's it's one game. Yeah, we got to see injuries and, and along those lines. But if there's a, if there's a team that's going to look like 2017, um, it's this team right here. It, this, it team, all, this team has swag. Yeah, it, it, it all comes this, down to staying healthy. But this mentality and, and that tactical outlook, they look damn good. And how versatile the lineup is, man, it, you can't be anything but excited for this team, for sure. Your thoughts, Rafa? 
yeah, the, if you can see, they have some like a type of swagger, like like they have an attitude. And again, even after the game, you can kind of see them. They were kind of a little joking around a little bit, you know, still have smiles on their faces. Because uh, even when we won some games from the previous coaches, even if a win wasn't, it wasn't really, it didn't feel for them. This one, you can see they're very loose, but they're focused. They're, I think they're, this team's really to sacrifice for everyone, no matter who's on the pitch. You know, they want everyone to succeed. So, like I said, that little swagger is probably going to help us, you know, get far. And who's to say that doesn't get us, you know, if we get to that point, knocking off Phoenix. I, I think we have the, the, the right guys, the right attitude. We have hung, this team's hungry to win. I think that's oh, that's the big that's I, the big I thing. Think, I think Harry just lost power. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's um, back on. I don't think so. I don't think so. On are we still over your salon? I know. I want. Uh, let me see. Let's go on Facebook. If so, uh, we'll continue this. Let's see. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're still on. Um, yeah, anyway, I just I just heard so, the thunder roll. <laughs> yeah, there I guess we'll go. continue. There go. Yeah, exactly. Um, Harry will come back. Um, so anyway, um, kind of the point being is that uh, yep, Harry's power is back on, so we'll continue it. Um, what one of the points that we were talking about was attitude uh, was an interesting point in the game where uh, it seemed like Kamiri missed an assignment and a, a pretty golden chance for Colorado Springs opened up mm-hmm. um, and it was actually blocked off by Deplane coming back and covering for um, Kamiri, which is interesting. Uh, but uh, Deplane really got in Kamiri's face and just screamed at him like, dude, you, you, I, I, he, I'm sure it was in French, so I didn't exactly see it. But he really screamed at him saying, you got to be better than that. And Kamiri screamed right back at him. Mm-hmm. And then two seconds later, they defended a, a corner and cleared it out. And that was it. And that's going to, that kind of chemistry, I mean, that's a family thing where you can yell at each other and then you can get on with it two seconds later. That that also shows a maturity in the players and it really shows just a good chemistry overall in the team. If you can call each other out and then just get on with the job immediately after, it, Nothing but good can come of that for sure. Yeah. I, I think, like I said, the biggest one of the takeaways is, you know, we're down four of our best players. That's the scary part. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and, you know, kudos to, like I said, also to Marcino making, he made, you know, normally a team would probably make fall apart if we had to just move someone else when maybe yeah. a position that doesn't, that's not really strong at, but that didn't happen. And I think, I think maybe Marcina did plan about, you know, what just, you know, over the preseason games, you know, what if we do lose our, our two guys and this and that? And I, even though we didn't have the results getting in the preseason, I think this really helped us, our team out. And you can see, I think they're battle tested. You know they took their lumps early, but they were learning. And I don't think any team that gets in their way, they're going to go out there fighting. You know, they're, they're not going to quit. And like I said, that play that, you know, Pacino did. That's just, just proof of that. That what type of character this team's going to have going into this season. Absolutely. Uh, one of the, um, yeah, I mean that that was one thing uh, for sure. Um, you know, a lot of people were criticizing Marcina for his um, uh, 
for the preseason um, and just how there was never the same lineup. He wasn't setting up one of those people that was very critical with Harry, who's not here. So I'm going to say that now. Um, Hey, Hey, there he is. I was was literally just talking about you. Um, um, So it stayed on. That's amazing. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it stayed on. Um, The... um, but, but the point being is that we never had the same lineup in the um, in the in the preseason, um, and you saw a lot of versatility in that. PC sometimes in midfield, he sometimes in left back. Glito was on the right, Glito was on the left, and it really came to fruition in this game where just shuffle a couple of the chess pieces and bam, you got a winning formula. So, kudos to uh, or good on Marcina for that because I mean, he was criticized and. Uh, um, in the preseason, but it really came came to a head in this match and very successfully. So go, that's the reason. Oh, go ahead, Rafa. Uh, that that's the reason why you don't play cream puffs in the in the preseason. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Landon, you just missed it. Um, I, we had or I had power that dropped out, so I just came back. So, uh, uh, thank you for hopping on here. Uh, joining us uh, tonight is. Uh, Landon Southwick, who is the play-by-play announcer for Real Monarchs and also does the Center Circle podcast. So the reason why we uh, reached out to him, uh, since the next game is against uh, Real Monarchs, and uh, they're kind of unknown, and um, you know, I'm hoping Landon maybe even be able to fill in a little bit of information, but with this being their first game, Maybe a little bit of a mystery to him as well here. So uh, thank you for joining uh, SA Soccer Roundtable, uh, Landon. Uh, how are you doing this evening? Good. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm excited to be joining you guys. You guys, I'm, I'm embarrassed on my background. It's just white, though. You guys all look festive, and, and Harry's running the table there with the, the cool background. I mean, I guess the one treasure that I could pull out is a championship ring. I mean, if I'm going to pull out anything, maybe that's uh, not the right thing, right? <laughs> Uh, I was gonna, I was gonna make a joke about the snow in the background in Utah, and never mind. I'm just gonna it's up. like 75 outside, and I have a championship ring sitting on my desk. And, and still technically you know, the defending, it, yeah. and still technically the defending yeah. USL champions. Technically, you know, I think Phoenix That's... Rising always gives us crap, but I will tell you, they don't have a championship under their belt. So we'll, we'll wait for Steve. <laughs> oh, um, but yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. I, I know the Monarchs are really unknown to the world. It, it's kind of a weird scenario when you flip a team and only re-sign, well, only bring back three players. They only signed, sorry, I've got a daughter in here with me. They only signed, re-signed one player, which is wow. pretty incredible. <laughs> you got to stop, baby. <laughs> I just had my toddler come in. Not a problem. I'm sure he's Yeah, we got animals. Oh, hey. Hey, sweetie. Hi. Hi. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's really interesting. I mean, James Moberg was the only one to get a new contract. So you brought back Jimmy Slayton, who's the keeper, and you brought back Sam Brown, a, a central midfielder. And that was the changes that was made um, from the old squad 2020 to now. And, and really, was it merited? I don't know. 2020 was such a weird year for the world in sports. Mm-hmm. I feel maybe a few of those guys were a little hard done, but with the front office the way they were, they want to try some new things. And, and I think one of the biggest things that they've figured is they want to bring in young youth international talents. Um, so you see guys that are on this squad. There's two guys that are on this squad that played in the U17 World Cup. 
and the played multiple Colombians. games. Yeah, the two Colombians, yeah. and that's that's mm-hmm. a that's a big deal. I mean, I know we can write guys off really early, and, and in American sports, I think sometimes that's what happens. We look at a guy and we're like, oh, they're 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 a has been, you know, at nineteen. Um, because they didn't produce goals in a season. But you never know what some of these guys can bring. And I think that's the real cool part about uh, Gomez and Vidal, which what we'll see from them. They're kind of unknown to most of the world, but they played in the U-17 World Cup, and that's something to be said. You've got a couple other guys that have played in played for their U-17 and U-20 squads as well, including Max Mata. Um, you know, another guy that many people will know is Kyle Adams. Um, we've seen him. Uh, with Rio Grande Valley and then with the Dynamo. Um, and there's guys like uh, Quintanero who grew up in the Barcelona Academy in La Masia. And I don't know about you, but uh, that's pretty impressive. There's not many guys that I claim to have ever met in my life that have played in La Masia um, as well as playing with Chelsea's Academy. And I think that's what the real question mark's going to be. Does some of this translate to the USL Championship? And you guys have a proven squad in a lot of ways that scored goals and and put on a little bit of a performance this week, this last week. We have no clue what we're going to bring out. I mean, I'm saying that from a fan and a broadcaster. I don't really know. They were supposed to play El Paso on Saturday. El Paso apparently had plane troubles. Uh, so they were going to do a preseason that was kind of closed door. That's suspect. <laughs> yep. So I don't know the whole story on that, but uh, El Paso never made it out. And uh, the game got canceled. Uh, so there's guys like James Moberg who had been recovering from an injury. And, and I had a chance to text him on Saturday, Friday night and Saturday. And he was telling me, man, I was just hoping to get a few minutes before the regular season started. So I think you may see a little bit of a helter skelter squad, maybe in the first little bit of this game. And I think that's going to be something to keep an eye on. Maybe that's an opportunity for, for you guys to capitalize early on to a squad that really hasn't had true minutes as a full squad. Granted, they've been training with RSL and, some of these guys have probably even stepped it up a little bit more because they were in the preseason with RSL. But you've also got to question some of these guys if they've had 90 minutes of game game time. You know, they played Vancouver Whitecaps here. They played Sacramento twice. But there's no record of most of that. <laughs> so uh, you really can't see starting lineups. You can't see what's going on. But uh, I have faith in Hamas and Olave. He's a guy that's uh, proved that he could win. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a player and as a coach, oh, yeah. and and I think that's something you have to respect. So I don't. I, I I know the Monarchs are everybody's bottom of the table, bottom of the Mountain Division, but I think they're one you can't sleep on. Where will they sit? I don't know. I think they'll shock some people, but I don't think they're going to be the worst team out there. And I think looking at your guys' schedule, this might be we we might be catching you just at the right time. Um, yeah. Obviously, you know it doesn't sound like the teams had a lot of time together. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, you get two home matches, you know, the 14th against uh, Los Dos, uh, LA Galaxy 2, and then yep. the following Friday against Austin Bold um, before, you know, you, you uh, travel back down to Austin. So to me, as far as, you know, tough tests, this will probably be the tough, toughest test that you guys have probably until um, May 29th, you know, at Hartford and, and then, you know, you know uh, at home to uh, New Mexico. So. But who knows what New Mexico is? Yeah, right? it's, you know? I, yeah, mean, yeah. I mean, that, losing one nothing RGV. Yeah, Yikes. I mean that's yeah. the one thing about the USL Championship that I think we have to 
have to mention in these conversations. It's like, you know, there was a year where you guys and the Monarchs were really the best teams out there. Mm -hmm. And it didn't turn into a title for either team, nope. you know, yeah. and the teams that you didn't think would win won in weird ways. And so I think one of the things the that I always, yeah, there, there's a whole ton <laughs> of that that we could get into, but uh, <laughs> you're not supposed to use hands in soccer. So we won't, we won't talk too yeah. much about that. That's correct. You're not. But, uh, <laughs> um, but uh, the interesting thing to me is we have to note that both these sides are quality sides that mm -hmm. have solid coaches and a solid roster for the most part, right? There's some young players that no one's really sure about, but we hope to see that. And that's part of the growth of the USL championship. Do you expect to see, you know, cause last year was a lot harder uh, MLS to USL movement. In fact, I think it was yep. almost, you know, really you couldn't do it. Yep. Uh, do you see this year, you know, maybe, you know, maybe away games are a lot harder to do than, than home games. Uh, but do you see, do you, do you see, uh, you know, somebody else coming down? I know Salt Lake, Real Salt Lake plays that Friday. Uh, yeah. could, you, could you see some players, you know, that are on the fringe 18 coming down with uh, with uh, Real Monarchs? Yeah, I think there's a lot of guys that I think and I expect to see with the Monarchs. Uh, the Monarchs signed a bunch of – Real Salt Lake, excuse me, signed a few homegrowns in uh, late last year and early this season. And, and some of those homegrowns, I don't know how they see the pitch, especially with Real Salt Lake's form right now. If we weren't 2-0, I, I think you'd maybe see some more of those guys rotating into the squad. But there's a few guys that I don't know where they fit into the mix, including a guy that scored last time they played uh, San Antonio and Chris Garcia. Mm -hmm. uh, eight, 17, 18-year-old, uh, homegrown, kid balled out in the preseason. Um with RSL played with the Monarchs and then got injured and disappeared. And he hasn't been on an 18 so far from what I gather, he's healthy. Um, and I would be shocked not to see guys like him getting some minutes with the Monarchs. There's obviously a lot of uh, conversation that probably still needs to be had on how they're going to work that in. And I know there's rules and regulations from both the MLS and the USL. And I know one of the rules that I've heard is they, that even the staff can't intermingle in a lot of ways at this point, once games have started. So I don't know how that's all working. There's quarantine periods. I know at one point it used to be a week and a half quarantine period. I don't know if that's the case um, now. So we'll kind of have to see where that plays out. But that's something to keep an eye on as well. Could there be a few guys that are proven quality players that just need some game minutes uh, to stay active for Rail Salt Lake? Any questions that you have, Rafa? Um, expectations as far as this year, like any any players that you think are really going to shine, that is going to lead the team, you know, going to for this season. Who's the next yeah. David Ochoa? Is basically oh, what yeah. he's asking. You know what? If we're going to talk keepers, you have to talk the goalkeeping room of the Monarchs. Uh, Jimmy Slayton's a quality player, and he's a guy um, who really hasn't had a chance to prove himself yet because they weren't great in 2020. So he was doesn't have the best statistics so far, but I think he's a solid keeper. And then behind him, you've got a 16-year-old in Jeff Doosnap. With, and you can't tell me that that's not riding on the coattails of David Ochoa. And then even <laughs> below him, you've got a kid named Gavin Beavers, and he's a 15-year-old. So you've got a 15 and a 16-year-old that are sitting behind your 22-year-old starter. And I think if we've seen anything from David Ochoa, RSL is able to pump out some quality keepers. And, and you know, they got to train with the likes of 
of um, Nick Romando. Mm -hmm. And Nick Romando is actually still with the academy. So you better believe that some of these kids are getting some extra time with arguably one of the greatest MLS goalkeepers of all time. And and I think that's going to be a game changer for some of these guys having a chance to play there. So I would say keep an eye on that goalkeeping union. Uh, there are some solid, solid players there. I think the other one that I have to say that I'm really intrigued to see is Malik Johnson. Uh, Tampa Bay Rowdies player, a Canadian inter, uh, international. He's a kid that I think hasn't had a chance to break it all out. And I think He's got something to prove, and I hope that's the case. Obviously, it's a little hard for me to speak and say because I really haven't seen this squad go at it yet. Uh, but uh, they're the type of players that I'm looking for. And then and then you've got the proven players like James Moberg. I think he's got something to prove. He's a little older at this point. Uh, he's having his first child um, here shortly. Um, but I think he's a guy that's ready to say, I'm going to put my stamp on this squad, and I think I could be a player that gets brought into the fold of Real Salt Lake with a good season. Any questions for you, Royce? Art, Art, uh, I guess Real Monarchs, RSL, uh, the organization in general. They yep. always seem like a. Um, they always seem like they want to have three or four veterans, and then just a bunch of kids. Um, and they always cycle through that. I mean, they always get rid of solid players. Um, yep. Sebastian was uh, Salcedo, right? Was uh, Salcedo was with RSL, but Sebastian right. uh, Velasquez. Velasquez, with. yeah. Uh -huh. see, see, I knew it. See, I, I, I questioned it, but yeah, either way. Um, but he kind of aged out and then went yep. on and then same thing with Jack Blake, it's kind of same mm -hmm. thing happened. Um, and I guess, uh, the midfielder you mentioned Brown, um, I guess, uh, Sam Brown. yeah, I guess he's, I don't want to say the next guy, but he's going to be the leader that everybody looks up to, um, in that mm -hmm. room. Um, and I guess, um, and it's always interesting that it, you know, it, it seems like they always want a really strong and veteran midfield, um, and just a bunch of kids up front. Uh, so I guess my question is, um, do you, do you really see, what do you see from this season as far as that chemistry going forward with Malik and, uh, Vidal up front? Um, and how that's going to work out with kind of the veteran midfield. Um, it's worked sometimes, uh, i.e. your ring there, um, <laughs> but sometimes there's also a real big disconnect. Um, just how do you see that going? Yeah, and I think some of that, you know, it's got to be chalked up to the way that the mindset that Real Salt Lake has. I mean, we there's a $100 million pretty much academy that we have with the stadium where the Monarchs play, Zions Bank Stadium, <clears throat> then there's the practice facility indoor with two full fields. And then you've got a handful of grass fields below where they practice on a regular basis. And I think when you think about the way that RSL is set up, the hope with the Monarchs is that they could find some gems and not have to go pay for some of these players. And the midfield's a tough one. And I think that's why you've seen the players truly age out is because typically that's your DPs. So you go and spend on that, some of that attacking talent and RSL is in a weird scenario right now with Deloitte Hansen and the team being sold and maybe not the funds that they need. And you're seeing guys that have been in the USL succeeding there, like Rubio Rabin. I mean, mm -hmm. oh, guys balling yeah. out so far. And I think, yeah. I think him having success will open up the door for a lot of these players that maybe are kind of that age point that have typically aged out, but 
but now maybe have a little bit more of a pathway because of guys like Rubin having success. And I think the best thing that could happen for Real Salt Lake is some of those USL players to truly show that they can succeed at the top level. But to go back to your question, I think it's going to take a minute for that group to have success. Yeah. I mean, when you talk about game match fitness and the opportunity to get going, and I think one of the things that that group needs is time playing together. So I think you're right, Harry. I think you said it earlier. Maybe it's a great time to catch them because I don't think they've had enough time together. I think that takes a minute to get going. But there are some guys that can score and that guys that can play make. And I think we oftentimes write off teams really early in the season when it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. I mean, we've found that out. All, mm -hmm. all. I know you guys have, and I know we have as well. There's been times where we started out really strong and – um, done well and petered off at the ends. And there's years like the Monarchs championship year where they didn't start out great, but really peaked at the right time. And I think that's what I expect from this side is a side that will at least try to find its footing midway to later in the year and, and be a dangerous team to the likes of you guys and, and, and others in the, in the division that maybe are seeking a true championship. And then I have one question, kind of maybe big picture here before we let you go here, uh, you know, for that and, and appreciate you, you know, hopping on here real quick here. Yeah. So there's been an issue, obviously, Jeff Reuter and the athletics, you know, kind of, you know, you know, talked about this here, the relationship between MLS and USL. Um, you're starting to see a, a little bit more player movement uh, going through, you know, like Pasher down in Houston, you know, from Indy 11. Robinho up there, you know, with you, with, uh, you know, Real uh, Salt Lake. Do you, is, and I know you're kind of in the, in the middle of it with the Monarchs and then, you know, RSL right there. Do you see that USL relationship, you know, the player movement being able to go from, you know, from USL to MLS start to take that next step? Because it seems like there's been a brick wall there, but it seems like some of those bricks are starting to come down, you know, just kind of what's your outlook on the future of possible player movement from, you know, MLS to, or from USL to MLS, especially for young kids um, along those lines. I know we had Sebastian Igabaga that came, you know, yep. was released from Houston, spent a great year here in San Antonio and last, what, three years, four years is, you know, now he's not a starter, but, you know, he's, he's been a proven, you know, backup center back, you know, for New York city, you know, for what, three years now, uh, you know, yeah. I think it's the start of his fourth year. Yeah, I, I think it's starting to happen. I think it's going to take a minute, though. I think you have to, and I hate to say this, the USL kind of has to realize their place. Mm -hmm. um, and I think some of that is hard sometimes. I mean, go look at the treatment, I think, sometimes of the way that the, the USL champion treat, championship treat the MLS two sides. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, yeah, you guys want a title? No games on uh, ESPN. You know, it's like, Okay, I, I mean, show some love because I think the reason the USL Championship has some of the infrastructure they do today is because of that investment and the relationship. And I think if they embrace it, there will be success. I think there are guys in the USL Championship that just need a shot. And I think we're seeing them, you know, and, and a Rubio Rubin's maybe a perfect example, a guy that played with the U.S. national team and kind of got wrote off a little bit and made it into a scenario that now he's getting a shot. And can he sustain it? I hope so. You know, as a fan of Rouse, I like, I sure hope so. But 
from a fan of the USL championship and soccer in general, I hope these kids have a shot to move it, move up. And it's hard. I mean, in your guys' scenario, it's hard to watch a player you guys love that's had success leave. I, I, and I, I feel you on that. It, it hurts. But at the same time, isn't the goal of every mm-hmm. one of these kids to play at the highest level possible? And I think that if we embrace that as fans and as, as media – in the industry, we can help these kids succeed. Let's talk about the success they're having. Let's make sure, you know, we're the ones applauding that. And and as we have conversations, I think more people catch on and go, oh yeah, that kid did have a solid season, you know? And you've got guys like Chandler Hoffman, who was with Real Salt Lake, who was in the MLS and had a cup of tea with a couple teams and, and really scored some goals. I mean, mm-hmm. if you look at some of his history, he had some goals, but he's a USL quality player that was a goal scorer mvp conversation type of guy and that's that was great but he got his chance and wasn't quite there and i think i hope to see more of that where they at least get a shot and if they don't make it there that they get back to back to the usl championship where they can be solid and successful i think it's the the other challenge is not holding these kids back so giving them the true shot. And I think that's part of Real Salt Lake's philosophy right now with some of these young players. All right, give them a few minutes. Give David Ochoa a season with the Monarchs, even though everybody wanted him with Real Salt Lake. Give him his chance to play with the Monarchs, get some confidence, and be the player that maybe he deserves to be at the lower level. So he, when he steps up, he's like, yeah, I can do this. I've, I, you know, I've won a championship. I've you know, I've, I've pissed off a ton of El Paso fans. I, I can do it to New Mexico, to Minnesota fans, you know. And, and I think you see some of that swagger from some of those guys. And, I, you know, I always hoped like a Kalen Ryden or Jack Blake would really get their shot for our team. They didn't. But, you know, I think both of them recognized that they had good opportunities in the USL Championship and are going to be solid players and are going to continue to have success here. And maybe their years the MLS are not there. And maybe it's time to say, okay, that next guy, that 18, 19-year-old now gets his shots. And I think I think you'll see success. And I think you guys have some youth, young players that are solid and that'll get those shots. And the hard part is you'll lose them because they're mm-hmm. not attached to your club. And I think that's where this challenge begins for a lot of these clubs. And I think I, I feel a little fortunate that I get to watch some of them hopefully grow up from academy player all the way to the first team. But, but that's not always the case for me either. So I, uh, to answer your question, I, I do think the day is coming shortly, and I think you're going to see success with a lot of these players. Well, Landon, I do appreciate your time here. Uh, you know, if you want to let people know where they can follow you or, you know, if you want to plug anything, uh, please do so. I, you, follow me at, at Landon Southwick. Easy as, easy as that. I wish I had a beard like Rafa, and maybe I'm going to start growing it. I've got a little beard envy going on right now. Even Harry. I mean, all you guys, Royce, you, got, you guys all look good on the facial hair. I'm just a baby-faced kid up here. Uh, but I appreciate you guys having me on. I uh, Anytime you guys want to chat, I, I'm always down. I love talking soccer. I love talking USL Championship. I'm excited for Saturday. I, I'm nervous because I think you guys are – the more prepared side at this point uh, with some game minutes under you, but uh, it should be a fun contest and uh, I'm excited to see what happens. It's always a close one between real monarchs and, and, always. and no uh, matter what, San Antonio. Always it doesn't matter where it's at. It's always, <laughs> I'll, I'll always remember uh, when y'all were ahead two to one and like the 90th minute mm-hmm. and we had the two stoppage time goals. Never yep. forget. 
so good. I think think San Antonio was the first one to win in Real Monarchs uh, Stadium as well. So yeah. They were, uh, yep, and, and and that's a that's something that needs to happen, and I didn't mention that, but the Monarchs lost eight games at home last year. In yes. two years before that, they lost four games. So, oh, I mean, Lord. something's got to change at home. Away games, obviously, in the USL Championship can be a toss-up. Win as many, get some points on the road if you can, but win your home games, and, and I think that's what you'll have to see from the Monarchs this season. Well, do appreciate you hopping on here, Landon here. Like I said, it's always a pleasure. I know you and I did a podcast with Seek and Strike uh, with Chris yep. on the Mountain Division. So uh, this is the first of four. So hopefully the other three will be able to touch base with you. And, and I'm assuming by that point, um, everybody will have a better clue on what's going on with both teams. Uh, you know, I know we were kind of yeah. picking through saying, hey, what, what a great first game it was. Um, you know, even without, you know, the, the full uh, full arsenal of uh, SAFC with, with some injuries, but uh, that's why we play the games. It's it's fun to talk about, and, and like I said, it comes Saturday night, I know Toyota Field will be rocking, and then, you know, uh, it, I know my son wants to get up to uh, see a Re- uh, go to Utah to see Real Monarchs because, uh, you know, just the, the backdrop is – it's one of the kind, you know, like I said here, yep. I'll have to see what Colorado Springs stadium, new stadium is with Pikes yeah. Peak in the back, being a Colorado, you know, growing up in Colorado, that might edge, uh, you know, uh, you know, Salt Lake, but uh, yep. I can tell you as far as a first class facility, you know, you know, uh, the Monarchs definitely do have that here. So do appreciate you hopping you guys, on here. When you guys get a chance, come out, hit me up. We'll, we'll, we'll grab you some tickets and you can come, <laughs> come hang out. So get out to Utah. We'd love to see you. All right. Appreciate Take it. Thank care. you, Landon. Thanks, Landon. All right, that was Landon uh, Southwick, uh, you know, the play-by-play announcer for Real Monarchs and Center Circle Podcast. Do appreciate him hopping on. Uh, like I said here, uh, always very uh, uh, awesome to see, you know, the opposing side get a little bit of information. Um, obviously, with this being their first game, um, you know, being an MLS 2 team, a little bit kind of hard to see. And it was interesting to find out that uh, El Paso kind of backed out of a game. But uh, – <laughs> We will see. But uh, so looking at the, the uh, Real Monarchs from our side here, um, obviously injuries. We don't know, uh, you know, with Axel. Uh, we don't know with Liam. Um, Justin sent out a tweet. Uh, Justin Dillon sent out a tweet that doesn't sound like he's coming back quickly. Uh, just based on it here, saying that he hopes to be back soon. So um, that didn't sound like something that, you know, that, uh, you know, expecting a turnaround in the first game uh, for that here. Uh, Connor Maloney, I know he was getting minutes, so I'm wondering if it's just more mat fit, uh, match fitness for him. Um, Jose, uh, like I said here, I know they listed him out with the lower body injury. Um, but, you know, we were kind of discussing, you know, could it be kind of, you know, COVID, you know, times of having to sit out, you know, getting back in game shit because he technically hasn't been in camp with San Antonio FC. So I uh, will start with you, Rafa, you know, kind of changes that, that you expect to see kind of, you know, game two going against um, an unknown opponent in Real Monarchs. That's going to depend on if Axel comes back on on, on Saturday. Uh, we could see PC on the wing and in Lima taking his PC spot. So I think that's probably be the change. If act like I said, if he doesn't return, um, I don't know if the status of Doyle is going to be back. I don't know if you have any information on him, but if he is back, you know he you can say we can plug him in there too. You know, so I, I think we'll be we'll be fine. Uh, you know, we do need to take advantage of a team that 
hasn't played and really hasn't built a chemistry. And since I think you can see our team has kind of built somewhat of a chemistry, we need to jump in to get, like you mentioned, the home points are real important. We need to get these three points. So way, that way, you know, when we do go on the road, hey, you know, a tie, you know, a tie, you know, on the occasional one helps us out, but home points are, are going to be the key to win, winning this division. Your thoughts, Rafa? I'm Royce. Me, uh, Royce. <laughs> <laughs> um, this, this sounds like a trap game. Um, Elena coming on saying, yeah, they're probably not organized. It's just a bunch of kids going out on the, it sounds like a trap game, dude. It sounds like a trap game. <laughs> sounds like going to bring some ringers and it's just going to be ugly. Um, no, I mean, we'll see. I mean, kind of the point I was getting at with Landed was they're going to have young kids up front. Young kids up front, we have a pretty experienced back line. Um, we'll see. What I'll be interested to see is kind of how they set up and if they do send some of their forwards back to help out in the midfield because their midfield gets dominated so much. That's that's a coaching thing, and that that was really a, a coaching uh, twist from uh, – from the Colorado uh, spring switchbacks uh, coach. Uh, but we'll see what uh, Alave decides to do. Um, if he sees that press, if he decides to do long balls and just go over in the midfield, we'll see, man, you have young kids. That's probably what they're going to set up to do is just kick long balls over the midfield and try to have those young kids go after it. Um, uh, try to get uh, Johnson and uh, Vidal um, just kind of go after long balls. Uh, but if it's long balls, they want to play. We got some pretty good height in the back and dudes that can got some speed ball. in the back too with Gleedle. Yeah, we got yeah. some speed. I mean, I don't count out Lindley and Lima as not being part of the back because they're fast and they can go, you know, PC's quick as well. So, I mean, don't don't discount them at all either. But you also have the Tunisian Terminator that's going to have 30,000 clearances if they want to try that. So, <laughs> we'll see. Uh, I'm excited. Um, I'm, just ex- I'm just excited. Uh, I mean – just SAFC. It doesn't matter who Real Monarchs are. It, I'm excited about this team. <laughs> so there's a couple of questions here for Matt Gamas here. One that he put on early, earlier here. What did y'all think about the supporters group? So 210, uh, Crocketeers, um, um, Mission City in the Beer Garden area-ish because uh, this year they've they have actually seats back there now. And a certain club, I think they're coding it as a club section. Um, so I thought it was kind of interesting um, the setup for you know for the supporters group. Uh, I know going in, they liked that they were able to have their flags. They liked you know you know you know with the smoke and, and stuff like that. But once we get back to a full section, you know you know where the stadium's full. I don't know if that's if 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 they're if they've got part of the area roped off, you know, for you know for you know quote unquote club access. I I, I just don't know if that's gonna if that's gonna fit all the supporters. Well, hopefully it doesn't fit all the supporters. I'll just say, um, mm-hmm. we'll start with you on this, Rafa. You know, with you being you know former, uh, you know, well, I guess you still are, uh, Mission City, uh, you know, winning formerly. team, <laughs> formerly. Yeah. Um. I mean, it's interesting to set up to have it there. Uh, it's different, you know, I guess because people can be standing up, just doing their thing and so forth. I, 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 I don't know what the SAFC's future intentions after the five game home games, 
if they're going to open up back the sections where the previous ones the supporter groups were at. We'll see. Um, like I said, if this is going to be something that's going to continue on, you know, if, if they can fill up that place and get loud and stay and beat, you know, more more power to them. You know, that'd be it's, it's a good thing. I thought they did. I thought they did good. The stadium had good environment. Um, you know, the, the atmosphere was good. I think there was a part in the second half where everybody was kind of relaxed because y- you didn't have that fear that Colorado Springs was coming back uh, for mm-hmm. that here. So it was just, you know, kind of just, you know, soaking in and, and it didn't have that high intensity, you know, you know, and I know this is kind of hard to say, especially coming up the last game that we were there was uh, against New Mexico. So I don't think it was a high intensity crowd, uh, you know, for that here. Um, and I also think what also possibly played to it, and, and this is one of the big negatives of it here, was the concessions. Uh, there were a lot of complaints about the concessions, a lot of long lines, um, you know, people ordering their food, not getting their food in a timely manner, you know, along those lines here. So um, I know I sent out a tweet, and, and I know Aaron sent out a tweet of, you know, if you want social distancing, closing half of the concessions doesn't really accomplish that goal, it, you know, because you got everybody, you know, you know, meeting there. And even if it was, you know, maybe they're not open to the public, but for the people that are ordering their food and stuff, you could do their food there and then have it go out maybe a little bit more expedited and then have the other side open to people um, in line. But uh, to me, that was the only down down factor that I saw on, you know, was, you know, uh, for the game other than the clear bag policy. But, you know, that's more of a personal brief that I didn't read that they had changed that beforehand uh, for that here. But I know, Royce, you weren't at the game here because you had a, a previous commitments, uh, as always, on, on game one. Um, the scheduling guys don't get with your <laughs> schedule here. And we need to work on that nope. here. Uh, nope. So don't your thoughts on the supporters groups coming through on the TV? Don't schedule an air show in Texas on the same week as the uh, opening day, and I'll make it. Every time. Um, no, um, I, I'm happy. Stronger together, united we stand. I mean, it was it was great to see everybody together. That's how it should be. Everybody should be. You know, all the supporters should be together. Um, I like that they're in the bar. It's more central. You're right there for at least one half behind the opposing keeper. That's exactly what it should be. Uh, I remember the SAFC Gardeners. That was kind of their bit. Why doesn't everybody do that? Just you're right there. You are 10 yards from the opposing keeper. Scream. That's exactly what it should be. And 118, um, I mean, they made they're they made all, yeah. They're off in a corner. That's the thing. They make all the noise. They make their presence felt. They're just off in a corner. Now they're central. They're right there. If you have to cordon off a little section for them uh, in that bar, or cordon off a small section so people can still go get their beer from the bar. I mean, that's what it needs to be. That bar section is is sneaky big. So, I mean, it's plenty big for a lot of people. And, I mean, it, it was great to see. I love the TIFOs there. The TIFOs there, the TIFOs how big they big. are and how visible they are to everybody. During the game, they're visible. It, I like it a lot. That is a really good solution, especially if SAFC wants to sell more actual seats. I'd be seeing some I'm, more I'm creative ones. I mean, Tunisian Terminator, let's get on it. That's, we have names. I mean, let's do some it. Some of the TFOs, I mean, to be honest, some of the TFOs are like, eh. But, we're always, 
but they but, get to the point. We're always with you. It's to the point because we are always, we're always there. So they're to the point, and that's and what's Matt's important. Second question was, what did you think about the turnout of the game? Um, it's socially distant. It was, it was a, it was, I believe it was, it a, was sellout. a sellout. It was a sellout, um, and it's socially yeah, it was, distant. I mean, what are you going to do? Still, it was still loud by the by the fan. It was still loud on on the. On the Listening the to the broadcast on TV, you couldn't, you, I mean, un, un, unless there was a goal and I mean, Dan Weiss, God love him in his, in his vocal cords, but you, you couldn't tell the stadium sounded just as lively as ever. Um, and when there was a goal, I mean, the goal was called and I mean, the crowd cheered that you couldn't tell on TV. I mean, if, if I'm sure people were watching on ESPN plus going, wow, they're crazy in Texas. They're, they're, they're not even – they're at 100% capacity. Nope, not the case. So it's well, not even 50, is it? It's like 40? What's, yeah, it was 40. What struck me is – and now I've been going to Toyota Field since it, since it opened with the Scorpions. I've seen games during regular season that, you know, especially with the weather, let's not forget the weather. Oh, yeah. For sure. It was um, raining all dang weekend. Yeah, yeah, raining and, you know, along those lines here – I've seen games that had worse attendance than that. Now it is the first game that's typically one of their best drawing games. Yeah. I know they had to cancel the fireworks. So, you know, do I think that the stadium could have probably on that night probably could have had 7,000? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Did they give away magnetic schedule? No, they did not. Oh. They gave away keychains. I'm going to have a talk with they, Preston and Lewis. Hey, they, Louis they, need a, they need to take a page from El Paso because they give some good stuff over there. Yeah, I wasn't going to complain about that, but because it just, it's, but, <laughs> they, but they, to me, they also give a really, in El Paso, they give really bad uh, airplane related excuses too. So oh, that too. Oh, that too. <laughs> well, that's one Slam. side of the story. That's one <laughs> side of the story. You know, he does work for the Monarchs. Uh, you know, so I'm assuming if you talk with uh, Sirius Loco, uh, you know, uh, you know they may uh, they may have a, a different side of, of that coin here. Uh, final thoughts, uh, you know, like I said here uh, to me, I think it was a great opening week. Um, I think you know, you know, just kind of looking at the schedule, um, RGV got a deflected goal, you know, for you know for the win to you know uh, beat uh, New Mexico United, um, but you know by all accounts, RGV looked to be the better team. Um, at HEB Park in, in their first game as independent. So, you know, they're tied with SAFC at the top of the standings. Uh, this week, uh, New Mexico plays uh, El Paso. Uh, we play Real Monarchs, and the Bulls are, are still on vacation till, uh till next week here. So, um, you know, like I said here, I, I think with the schedule for uh, San Antonio FC, they get the Real Monarchs. Um, the next week, uh, they go to, uh, RGV on, on Sunday because, uh, uh, RGV doesn't want San Antonio to overtake their stadium, uh, you know, and have it on a Saturday night. And then they come home and place, uh, Birmingham Legion, who, uh, I don't know if you followed this, but, uh, uh, BBA VA field, uh, was a Toyota stadium like, uh, this past week uh, with the sand because the uh, grass had not converted over. Uh, properly, and it was you know, they even put out a uh, release, mess. and you know it was almost unplayable. It will be addressed, uh, you know, for future matches uh, for that here. So you know, but I do think Birmingham Legion, you know, is a solid team, and then they get you know San Antonio to wrap up 
uh, you know, the month on May 29th here. So uh, some opportunities to uh, get some points on the schedule uh, for that here. Uh, we'll start with you, Royce. Uh, final thoughts from you uh, on tonight? Um, just, I mean, the, the, the buzzword, excited. You can't be anything but excited for this team. And I mean, let's go to the next one. Let's play. Let's play the next one tomorrow. Let's go. I'm excited, man. Let's go. And then Rafa, your final thoughts. Uh, just looking forward for Saturday's game. Uh, keeping the momentum. Hopefully, we get some key players back, and the ones you know. Hopefully, we get do get Axel back for the next for this coming game. And let's see, if we can get another route. You know, I, I know this team's not ready yet because they haven't played. So we need to take advantage of this and hopefully like get ready for that next game against RGV. Get some three, get the three points there for especially for the Copa Tejas. That's that's gonna be important for us as well. So my final thoughts: uh, number one, uh, you know, uh, we're gonna end our part of the show here, and then I'm gonna play a you know a partial interview uh, from uh, Coach Marcina, and then uh, a part interview from uh, Santiago Patino. Uh, my my uh, my final thoughts going to be a shout out to uh, Preston and Luis and, and, and the social media team uh, through there here. Uh, number one, check out the the media guide for SAFC. Um, <laughs> it's it is a great resource um, as a fan. Lots of nuggets, a lot of a lot of details, a lot of stats. If if, if you're a stats guy. A lot of information, you know, not only about the players, but also about the coaching staff and where they come from along those lines here. Uh, but they do a great job on doing that. Also, you know, it, it uh, deserves the uh, the Oprah Book Club of the Month star. So for I sure. wish they would. I wish they would. You know, and I know people might hate me for this, but dude, if they sold it for like five bucks, I would buy it. You know, if if it was in a hard point is, in a hard copy. It's a press release. It's yeah, so. yeah, that yeah, but, but yeah, some, point taken, point taken. But to me, kind of like uh, you know the, the you know the you know kind of old fashioned here, probably showing my age. You know, baseball does a program kind of very similar to this that you know that they that they give out you know uh, for that here. Uh, so you know, for me, but thank you for that. Also, thank you for including us on some of the interviews and stuff like that, that, you know, we're going to play uh, either throughout the show tonight. It's going to be at the end of the show, just on how things worked out here. So do want to thank everybody for tuning in. Um, please stay and listen. It's about six minutes uh, to the videos here. Um, do want to thank uh, Rafa and Royce uh, for coming on. And also thank you to Landon. Uh, awesome to, to chat with you. And I'm sure we'll be chatting. Uh, come... Uh, June 26th, somewhere around that time frame here when uh, Real quick, San Antonio Harry. travels uh, to Zeon's bank there uh, if they don't move the game to a Sunday here. But uh, wait, that's Real, a quick, TV. real yeah, quick, we, we need to give our vote for player of the week. Uh, say your Why answer not? on three, two, one. Patino. Patino. All right. Patino. Yeah, that's pretty easy. Okay, so that was the easy <laughs> choice. Who would, who would have been your, your follow-up? I know you already mentioned. I said Quayle, uh, for sure, 100%. Who was yours, Rafa? No, Quail. He, yeah, he, he, I mean, he, he was all over the field. Yeah. Mine was Deplane. Um, Deplane yeah. and Gleedle, you know, Deplane moving into the middle. You didn't really see any any weaknesses from him. You know, he held his own. And I know we kind of talked about foot speed uh, for him, for him being able to kind of transition into the middle. You didn't have that worry of him getting beat on the outside. Nope. So I thought him being able to, 
switch mid game and you know you have to give it to coach marcina what against uh rgv they had him playing in the you know as a center back here and now we now we understand why <laughs> so uh for right here so but i thought he did a good job with the adjustment and um you know axel's you know axel's one of the captains and, and a great leader and, and on set pieces i think will be there but uh you know with you know doyle out the plane stepped in and, and did a great job uh, on that here yeah so we're gonna go ahead and end the show here i'm gonna start the videos here um what's life without goals thank you for turning in uh for right here and we're gonna start here with coach marcina how's everyone doing unfortunately you got me first i can't hear you alan, alan how you doing you got me now I can hear you, yes. Yeah, I think we just weren't talking yet. Uh, what's your uh, overall feeling of how the group played tonight? What jumped out to you most of anything? Yeah, I think, um, you know, it's been a long time since we've had fans in the building. Uh, and this is a, an emotional night for everyone. You know, this is uh, three points that we earned and we deserved. And it's, uh, that's for our fans. We did it for our fans. And I'm um, just incredibly pleased with the level of commitment we asked the players to be focused, uh, apply intensity, and, and be resilient for 95 minutes. And, and that's what they did. So I'm incredibly proud of them. And I'm happy that we can get the three points for our fans. Did you feel like the team embodied that kind of aggressive attacking mentality that you've been talking about through the preseason? 100%. Again, our trademark standard. We are the aggressors with and without the ball. We earn everything and give everything. You saw it tonight, those three points for our fans. And uh, Santiago Batino obviously came through with the hat trick second time in club history. What, what jumped out to you about the way he played tonight? The thing that jumped out to me, he's got a winner's mentality. 85th minute, tracking a, tracking a player 60, 70 yards, making a slide tackle. That's what winners do. What were some of the qualities that maybe led to his scoring tonight? What, what does he do in that sense that makes him such a potent attacker? Again, he was relentless uh, to get him behind the opponent's last line and he executed. Were those some of the big things that you saw when you decided that you wanted to make him a guy who could add to the roster this year, or what sort of jumps out about him in, in the bigger sense? Again, we have game model principles. We have a clear team identity, and we've identified players who can uh, execute those tasks, and he's one of them. Uh, coach, um... Alfredo from Telemundo here. Um, do you have an update regarding uh, Sochberg? Say that again. Do you... Axel? Can you hear me, Coach? Now I can hear you. Sorry, it got cut. I couldn't hear you. You got cut out. Did you say Axel? Yes. Uh, do you have an update regarding his injury? No, not yet. Good. How about with the how about with Jose and the other guys who were outside? Do you know if those are kind of long term things or is that kind of week to week? Uh, it's uh, you know we, we have a uh, medical staff that will provide us reports and then we take it from there. Uh, Coach, this is Andrew Seely with Case at Twelve. I just wanted to ask about uh, Quayo's performance. It looked like he had a pretty successful night on the outside. What did you see from him? Yeah, I, I felt him, him and the rest of the guys were committed to the game plan. They executed the game plan. Um, all of them. Again, we ask them to be focused, apply intensity, and be resilient. Santiago, how are you doing? Can you hear me all right? Yes, sir. 
All right, I got you. My name's uh, Greg. It's nice to meet you. Um, just overall, what did it mean to you to score three goals in your first match with SAFC? It was, uh, it was a great feeling. It was a great feeling. As a team, we've been working really hard for eight weeks. I think the coaching staff have done a great job and made sure that we have the right mentality to attack, to attack the games and go and win. And I think uh, with the team, we did that today. We went and left everything on the field and it was great to score. When you're behind the defense for that last goal there, are you thinking about a hat trick or about the possibility of finishing that off? Is that in your mind at all? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, as a forward, I always think about scoring goals. Any chance that I get, I want to put it away. And uh, now that I had two goals in my mind, I was I'm going to get one more and score. And I'm sure I got one more. I think that second one in particular is coming down the middle of the field and made kind of a sliding finish on it. Can you take me through what you saw on that play and what it took to finish that one off? Yeah, I think uh, we we won the ball in the middle. I think Cam opened a, a great ball to PC. PC has a really good, nice, nice left foot and put a great cross. And I just saw where the goalie was standing, put it where more far from him. And then the first one, I guess it was a little bit more chaotic in the box uh, came to you for the header. What did you see on that play? Did you think you'd have a shot to score there? I just, uh, I always make sure my position is good in the box. Uh, the first pose was already close, so I made my run to the second pose and the ball was there, landed for me. What made you want to come to SAFC uh, in general when you were making that decision this offseason? Yeah, so I was in loan in Mexico. I was uh, on loan in my and my loan finished and, uh, and I opened the opportunity to come back to the U.S. And I picked San Antonio FC because of the mindset, because they show that they really wanted me here. And we're somewhere that you feel the love and you feel like someone wants you, that's where you want to go. So that's why I choose to come here. What are your goals for this season or what do you hope to accomplish with this team? You know, I think uh, I just want to help the team win. We want to make it to the playoffs. We want to win the playoffs and we want to win the USL championship. And it's not going to be easy, but we can do it. How about for like you individually in your career? Is this an important season to kind of, you know, make some steps forward or to accomplish anything in particular? Do you have goals or you put pressure on yourself in that way? Uh, I do have individual goals, um, but uh, I just stay in the present and enjoy the process leave everything on the field. And I know God has a great plan for me and I stick with him. You guys have so many new players in the lineup. Did you feel like your team chemistry and kind of the cohesion was at a good level tonight or what did you make of how you all meshed together? Yeah, I think uh, we have a lot of new faces. I think uh, because of the prison was longer than usual, it helped us to build a better connection. And we had a chance to play five preseason games. So it also helps a lot. And I think the, the, the coaching staff do a great job for us to, to have a, a clear understanding of our game and what we have to do. And, and that has helped us, even if we don't play each other for a long time, to, to understand each as, uh, us as a team.